You're listening to Design Talk, a podcast for conversations connecting design with theory, organizations, business, and impact. So, hi, MZ. Hi, I am Lakshit. We are very pleased to have Gary Layden with us today. And Gary's career is distinguished by building new lines of business, funding, and investing in new ventures. And Gary, before we start, can we can you share some of the highlights of your career so far? Sure. Thanks for having me today. Uh, thanks, Z. Um, yeah. So I suppose my career has really been, um, I suppose, a pattern of sitting at the junction of the customer and the technologist. Um, so I've I've been comfortable being able to talk to both sides of, of, of that relationship. So um, I understand technology well enough to be able to talk to the technologist. But more importantly, I understand the problems that customers have and the things that they want solved to be able to talk to them. So I've always sat in the middle in everything that, that I've done. And I suppose that probably my background would be sales and marketing. So very much in that market facing um, uh, uh, part of the, the business. Um, I'm an entrepreneur in that I started out originally in, in the IT space in sales and marketing for distribution so working with uh, vendors like Microsoft 3Com Compaq uh, HP um, and then I set up uh, two of my own businesses so I set up an IT training company um, uh, which delivered on-site training throughout, throughout Ireland and then I also set up a 3D immersive uh, tra- uh, design company um, long before uh, 3D immersive uh, solutions were popular um, but I set that up V-Rising um, almost 15 years ago um, and for probably the last 10-15 years I've been very involved in the Irish startup ecosystem um, and I have uh, For almost 10 years of that, I I ran Ireland's Technology Accelerator. So I've invested in over 300 Irish startup companies, um, companies like BoxEver, Neurotas, LearnUpon. So I would have been their first investor, um, and then I would have got them to relocate into into my building, and I would have kind of rolled my sleeves up and actually worked with those companies to help validate the opportunity, help them craft their business model, and build an investment case to actually secure follow-on investment. Um, and most recently, I've uh, joined an organization called Instech.ie, uh, and uh, that was set up with the aims of stimulating the insurance innovation ecosystem in Ireland. Um, so I joined in November 21, so we're a little over a year old ourselves. So it's backed by all the, the main insurance companies in Ireland, um, but we're really building an ecosystem of all the stakeholders. So we have the public sector through the regulator, the Department of Finance, Enterprise Ireland and IDA involved, but we also have all the indigenous Irish insure techs. So we're tracking over 60 Irish insure tech companies um, and we have 14 founding members. Um, 13 of them are insurance firms and one, because it's a regulated industry, is a law firm. Uh, could you please introduce us to instec.ie and the motivation behind it? Sure. So as I said, uh, Instech.ie was established formally in November 21, but it had actually been in incubation for a period before that. Um, and it was driven by a number of senior leaders in the Irish insurance industry who, in a candid, candid moment, you know, ex- uh, kind of openly admitted that they find innovation challenging. Um, they know their industry is changing and, and that there's some very strong um, reasons to change and drivers for change, um, but they struggle to actually uh, execute on that innovation. 
Um, and then as senior leaders in, the, in an Irish industry, they also kind of put on their green jerseys and said, do you know what? Internationally, we're seeing lots of other cities position themselves as hubs of excellence around insurance innovation. And they asked themselves, does Ireland not have all the ingredients to do something similar? So I joined with the view of, of building a, a, an organization that could help those organizations innovate, um, but also help position Ireland as a, a, a hub for insurance innovation internationally. And how is uh, insatech.ie prompting innovation among these members? So all of those members are at, at a different stage of the journey. So it is challenging. Um, so one of the, the things that we've implemented is we partnered with a, a, an insurance innovation consulting firm that's based in the UK called 90. And we co-created uh, an innovation maturity assessment tool. So it's almost like an audit. So we can actually go in and deploy that with, with the insurance companies. So. We do that through face-to-face -face interviews with the senior leadership team, so spending time with those leaders, understanding where they're at across seven key pillars when it comes to their innovation readiness. Um, and then we expand that conversation out throughout the organization through a survey to the rest of the organization and probably look to see if there's any delta between the, the, the two of those conversations. And the output of that is a very detailed report as to how ready uh, an organization is to innovate, where are the, the areas that they need to concentrate on, on a bit more, where, where there's blockers, where there's challenges, what stuff is working really well for them, um, and, and what are the gaps. And then instec.ie steps in and tries to help them navigate uh, that, that, that innovation journey based on that insight. Okay, and what is that seven key pillar? So it's really around understanding what are the key pillars that you need to innovate, going from strategy through to talent, through to capability, through to resources. Um, and it's just, it's a systematic way of measuring the organization across that. And it allows us benchmark them year on year. So we can actually see progression against uh, a destination. Um, because as I said, each of the organizations comes from a different starting point and they sit in a different environment in a different context. Um, so this is a tool that allows us to customize how Instech works with each of the or organizations. Yeah. Uh, could you please uh, talk us through some of the challenges of creating innovation in a regulated sector? Where do I start? Um, so, so for me, I actually don't come from an insurance background. I come from, from more a, a technology startup ecosystem where it's all very nimble and lots of experimentation. Um, and in a regulated environment, that's very different. That's very, very hard to do. Um, but actually, if we take a slight step back, you know, uh, <clears throat> regulation is really about protecting the customer. Um, that's that's what the central bank is all about: is making sure that no harm comes to a customer through through any interaction with with an organisation. Um, and if you think about innovation, innovation actually starts with the customer. So they're actually quite well aligned. Um, they, they they just have different perspectives. Um, so I I don't see it as 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 a problem. Uh, it's just simply part of your environment that you need to understand and and accommodate and and take into account when you're actually building new products and, and looking to see how to bring a product to the, to the market. The challenge with regulation and regulators is that proportionality. So it's one size fits all. So for an insurance company or a startup uh, insure tech to bring a product to market, there can be a significant investment in, in regulatory compliance before they can they can do that. And that makes it very hard 
for a small organization to experiment and iterate um, because you need that engagement with the customer because you're building something that fixes a customer's problems. If, if you do that without their engagement, you're probably going to build the wrong thing. Um, so that, that, that's a big challenge. But I think we have a very strong philosophy of collaboration. Um, and we think partnering between insure techs and big insurance companies is a way to actually uh, deal with that. So to lean on the, the regulatory experience and compliance of a big insurance company um, allows uh, insure techs to, to bring a product to market sooner rather than later. How have other locations sparked innovation capability in insurance? Yeah, so as I mentioned at the outset, there's lots of uh, other cities and other countries that are positioning themselves as as insure tech hubs. Um, so we're always looking at, at, at who else is is, is doing what uh, to see how you know what we can learn from from that. So London is obviously a very big traditional insurance market, and a lot of insurance innovation uh, it comes from there. And there's a very vibrant insure tech. Uh, ecosystem there um, but one of the big opportunities for Ireland is uh, Brexit um, so post Brexit if you want to passport into the European market you need to be located in, in one of the EU members um, so there's a real opportunity for companies to locate in Ireland and be regulated through our regulator the central bank and then sell into the European European market um, you have uh, cities like Munich, um, which are uh, very, very strong, um, and you have uh, cities like New York, um, and also in Asia, Singapore uh, is very, very strong. But what we have, I think, a unique advantage is our density. So we're actually small enough to pull all the relevant stakeholders together. So I can readily pull together a round table that it would include the regulator, a big insurance company, a startup insurance uh, technology company, uh, a tech vendor like Google or Microsoft or AWS, and get them around the table very, very easily. And I think that's a real advantage. So our nimbleness um, and the nature of our market as well. It's, it's a very homogenous market, so it's a great place to test out new insurance products and then scale internationally from here. Um, we have a very strong FDI um, mix um, in, in, in the country. Um, so more and more companies are looking to establish uh, technology centers of excellence in Ireland. So investing more in this space. Um, and it's important for them to know that they can plug into a very vibrant ecosystem uh, in terms of talent and ideas. Uh, and that's what Instec can do. We can help tell uh, the story, which has been missing to date, as to how vibrant the insure tech ecosystem is in Ireland. And we're a neutral convener, so we sit in the middle um, and we just make introductions. Um, so our job is is to make this a more attractive place to, to innovate um, and make sure that we get the right parties around the table to do that. We know that uh, insurance is all about data and risk, inf risk information. So is there any unused data left? Um, we were actually talking about this earlier, um, and I think, you know, data is absolutely one of the, the biggest opportunities for insurance companies. Um, insurance companies sit on mountains and mountains of data. Their challenge is it's very fragmented and siloed, um, so it's not actually joined up. Um, so the first, the first data opportunity for insurance firms is to actually make that a little bit more seamless and integrated and take full advantage of all the data that they have. Um, so that 
that's where the early wins come from. Um, so to have a single view of the customer and be able to access all the data that's relative to that customer um, allows insurance companies to deliver a much more positive customer experience. Um, but then once you have that capability, then you can um, uh, supplement that data with other uh, forms of data. So reaching outside your organization, which is something that traditionally insurance companies haven't done. Um, but there's lots of other pools of data that have added to the existing data within insurance companies can create really, really interesting products. Um, so a really good example of a, of, a, of a technology solution is based on parametric insurance. So traditionally insurance, you cover a risk when, when that risk is triggered and um, there's a claims process and, and you know, it, it takes a, a, a while to pay, to pay that out. Using parametric insurance, um, what they look for is, is key triggers that actually say that that risk has, has actually been triggered and the payment is instant. Um, so a good example would be something like uh, hurricane insurance. So tapping into weather data, they know when a, a hurricane is going to hit a, a location. So it can actually automatically trigger um, a, an insurance payout even before the hurricane hits to say, here's $500, go, um, you know, shutter up your building, protect your, your property, um, or move out of state for, for a period of time. Um, but that's relying on sources of data that an insurance company wouldn't normally do. Um, flooding is another, another good example. So using Internet of Things technology, you can have flood sensors. So when the water reaches a certain height, it automatically knows this property has been flooded. We need to trigger an insurance payout so that the, 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 the owner can either clean up or repair or whatever whatever it is. Um, and the advantages of that are twofold. One is from the, the customer's point of view, the, you know, it's a very negative thing to happen. The risk has been triggered, but actually the, the claims process is instant and, and they're looked after. So the, the customer experience is very positive. And from the insurance company's point of view, it's paying out on the claim is far cheaper because the, there isn't a process attached to that. It's just instant. Um, so they know that they've insured for that risk. They've already factored that into their pricing. So the minute it happens, it's instantly paid as opposed to have, having somebody who needs to come out, assess the property, uh, take photos, upload it, write a report, um, and do things like that. So it, it, it works on both sides of the equation. There's benefits to the insurer and there's real benefits to the, to the customer as well. So I think data is the, is the next big opportunity in insurance is first of all, how do you use the data that you have? So how do you bring that together? And then how do you supplement that data with external sources of data and be, be very smart? So there's a great company called Exante. They're an Irish insurtech. Uh, they're a parametric insurance company. And they've partnered with MasterCard who have pools of data around customer interactions with credit cards. And they're working together to say, well, how can we create new insurance products based on the data that we have about our customer behaviors? Is this legal in EU? Like they can get access to the customer's MasterCard data? Everything, because it's a regulated industry, you 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 have to do, do it in a in a proper way. So everything is opt-in. So um, but there's lots of sources of open data. So the, the examples that I was using around weather and um, flooding, all of those types of data are out there uh, and are public sources, so it can be used in a smart way. Obviously, if you're using customer-specific data, you have to have their permission to do that. Um, but customers understand that um, and in most cases are happy to opt into that because they see the real benefit of it.
uh, does the insurance in this industry have the space for more data literacy roles in addition to the actuaries? Short answer is yes. <laughs> um, uh, you know, they're crying out for 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 data scientists, um, for people who understand insurance um, and can help them uh, drive efficiencies within their organizations, but more importantly, um, drive that customer centricity as well through that use of data. Um, so there's lots of open roles ar around data uh, within insurance firms. So what is the potential for new data-driven services or products in insurance? Um, so this is where innovation comes in because um, it's it's about how we use that data that's there to build new products. Um, so, you know, it's a process. It's not staring into a crystal ball and saying, here's the next three products that should be there. It's actually been really smart um, spending time with the consumer, understanding what their challenges are. Um, there's lots of risks that aren't insured at the moment. Um, because it's too complicated. Um, so insurance companies need data to, to price a, a particular risk. And if they don't have that data, they don't build a product for that and they don't bring a product to market. So um, being creative around what pools of data are out there and how we can start addressing some, some new areas of risk is, is, a, is a big opportunity. Any questions from the audience? Hi, Gary. I'm Manali. Um, Hi, how are you? Welcome to... <laughs> class. It's really nice having you here. Um, so my question to you is, um, you mentioned earlier that you invested in a lot of these companies, a lot of startup companies in Ireland. I just wanted to know, I wanted to understand the process of uh, deciding to invest in a company. What draws you to it? What are the f key factors that you look into while deciding to invest in a particular startup? Because there's so many around. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Thank you. Um, uh, first comment is, you know, investors invest at different phases of a company's maturity. So my experience is really at the at the pre-seed um, phase. So invariably, I would have been the first investor in, into those companies. Um, and there's very little to look at or assess at that stage. Um, whereas if it's a later stage company, they've got traction in the market. You, you, you have other data points that you can actually look to to assess the viability of that business. Um, so the things that I looked for were firstly the team. So who are the founders? Um, and nine out of 10 times, I would be looking for a team rather than an individual um, because I was only interested in investing in companies that could scale globally and could get big very, very quick. Um, and that's very hard for someone on their own to, to do. So you, you look at the founding team and, and what do they bring about it? What, what's their passion? What's their energy? Um, but most of all, what insight are they bringing? Um, and it's usually their experience which gives them competitive advantage. So that might be that they're, they're deep domain experts in a, in a particular industry. They've lived the problem space that, that they're looking to address. It's an itch that they, they're just determined to scratch. Um, so that's the first thing I'd look at. And that's what gets you really excited when you, when you meet driven, insightful founding teams. Um, then I look at the size of the opportunity and for me, a lens was, is this a global problem as opposed to a local problem? Um, and is there a path to, to, to growing? Um, uh, and those are the two key things. So if, if, if you've got a, an exceptional um, founding team and you have a big market opportunity, um, 
that's a great place to start because a lot of what we would do in the early stages of that startup is iterate. So we spend time with the customer, but you you, you make a, an assumption or a hypothesis at the outset, invariably you're wrong. Um, but if you have a framework that can help you keep learning and keep tailoring uh, your, your your solution to, to the, the market segment you're going after, then you have a potential. Hi, Gary. My name is Kasturi, and good to have you here. So a couple of questions, honestly. Um, when you said that, you know, you were, you were nimble enough to kind of get everyone on the table and all of that, how is that process, like, helping you differ from the big companies doing, you know, some sort of a similar thing? So I think the the independent nature of 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 who Instec is is really really important. So so we sit in the middle of all the stakeholders. Um, um, and innovation is a very safe topic in a regulated industry. Lots of stakeholders are wary about coming together from a competition point of view. But actually, innovation is is one of those shared pains that they they're they're comfortable talking about. Um, so we can facilitate really interesting conversations. Um, but one of my objectives is to break down the silos um, because innovation doesn't happen in a silo. It, it happens in an ecosystem. Um, so um, we are constantly running events, bringing um, di different people together, different stakeholders, um, different employees of different companies. Um, so on a regular um, basis, every six to eight weeks, we run events where we have upwards of 100 people coming along to to maybe meet an insure tech or to talk about a particular innovation um, skill um, or just look at a case study in, in something that, that, that's worked really well in the, in, in, in the industry. And the content is always really, really interesting, but it's the networking that's the most important. So it's having those people in the one room and invariably we spend more time after the event over a beer or a cup of coffee talking um, and that's where the serendipity happens. That's where the connections are made and that's where the really good stuff stuff happens. So a lot of what we're trying to do is to get people talking to each other. Um, we ran an innovation boot camp recently and lots of times big organizations run innovation boot camps for their staff internally and I just feel that that's a very blinkered view of, of the, the opportunity. So we ran this across the industry. So we had... 13 participants from seven different organizations uh, participate in that. And some of the key takeaways were fantastic. One, firstly, it's we didn't know you all had the same problems. Um, and then they get talking about what the solutions are. And they come up with different angles and different types of organizations will have different insight to it. So it's a really positive place to, to, to I suppose, facilitate innovation. So bringing people together is, 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 is the most important part. So when you guys decide or like, you know, come to terms with the fact that they have similar problems and then there's so many perspectives to it, how do you kind of, you know, incorporate the customizations there that, you know, what this would be better for you, but not, not for you? So I suppose it's not for us to say what's right for each company. It's to create an environment where innovation can happen. So the capability piece around innovation is probably the most important thing for us to engender within the organizations. So to get them thinking differently and to to ensure that the structures are in place to support innovation um so when i joined instec i i come from more sme and startup world um, and i had never heard this phrase before as often as i did in my first six months in instec it was business as usual bau 
And that's all I heard when I went around talking to stakeholders in the, in, in, in the industry. It's just, we're too busy, you know? Um, and that's, that's not acceptable. You have to create an environment where there's time to, to think, think about the future, think about doing things differently, think about your customer and not just doing it the same way that you've always done it and just being so busy that you don't, don't look at those opportunities and understand them well. So our job is to create that environment. Um, uh, there's incremental innovation, which is really important. So, so um, the stakeholders that are insurance companies, um, a lot of them are working on legacy systems, both in terms of business model and technology. So there, there's incremental wins in just thinking differently about how you can deliver your existing business. Um, and that's a really, really important thing for them to do, just to drive efficiencies within their organizations. And then there's the the insure techs who might want to completely disrupt the business model and do something very, very uh, dramatic and very, very different. Um, and we'll support them in, in, in doing that as well. But they're not mutually exclusive. Um, and lots of times, the insure techs, as I said earlier, will lean on a big insurance company because insurance companies are superb around managing risk. They have um, very strong balance sheets. Um, they More often than not, they have very strong distribution channels but they may not think in the, in the same creative way that a, a, a pure digital team might think about how, how they build a new product. So they can actually work really well together. It goes in parallel then. Yeah, and, and sometimes they go separate. Um, so we just want to create a place of innovation where lots of good stuff happens, be that incremental within a firm or kind of really exponential innovation and disruptive innovation, um, either within a firm or within a, a startup. Just one more. Basically, when you said that there were like particular insurances about like disaster management, for example, and you're relying on data that's coming from outside sources, um, till what level of granularity do you intend to like trust that data source? I, th I think trust is a really important part of the insurance industry it's what it's built on um uh, so managing that risk and uh, is so important to those insurance companies so it is very very important to to be able to to stand over that um and and that's probably where the insurance companies the incumbents are very good that they bring that discipline um uh, i suppose because these are new sources of data and they're not they're not used to them there's a learning curve so um, you know, uh, someone looking after risk or an actuary within a big insurance company needs to get comfortable with that information. Um, and I think that that is a challenge. Um, but I think from our perspective, sharing um, case studies, sharing successes, um, uh, exposing them to different ways of thinking, exposing them to different approaches to data is important and we can kind of showcase that um, but ultimately um, someone within an insurance company needs to sign off on, 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 on the trustworthiness of that, that data. Hi Gary, my name is Anugre. Thank you for that wonderful insight. So my question is uh, with the growth of AI and ML, how is the uh, industry, insurance industry ready for this? Uh, I mean and uh, with you know uh, can we like uh, have customer tailor-made products to uh, or is the industry ready? Is the regulator, uh, you know, uh, uh, ready enough for allowing you to uh, involve this technology in the insurance industry? So, I think because it is a regulated industry, that that ecosystem approach is is really important. So, um, introducing a new technology 
you need to convince many stakeholders and um, not just the insurance company or the insure tech, but the regulator needs to be comfortable with it, that it that it's it's still delivering on that compliance and that customer protection. Um, so we're on a massive learning curve um, and, the, and the pace of that um, pace of the change from a technology point of view and the pace of learning has just ramped up significantly. So the regulator is 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 learning. So they have um, engagement forms with the industry, with technology companies to understand what is coming next. And um, they have innovation units starting to understand, well, how do new business models and new technologies impact on 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 the regulatory framework? Um, so there's you've got to you've got to talk to all of those people and and get them all on on board. In terms of you know ChatGPT, so that's that's the hot topic at the moment. Um, the the innovation teams and product teams within insurance companies are really excited about it, but coming back to your point about trust. They need to get comfortable with it and they need to understand the implications of it. Um, it's fine for us as consumers to play with it and maybe to write your essay or whatever. Um, but, you know, you, you, you wouldn't necessarily rely on that. Uh, 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 actually, I saw a, a survey recently. It was, it was, I think it was a broker sent it out. Is, um, who takes the risk when you rely on something like ChatGPT to make a recommendation to you around a particular policy? Um, and they were the, the the survey came back and it was pretty much buyer beware. Is that you know as the consumer we should know that it's a piece of technology telling us that if they got it wrong, it's my problem, not not the technology's problem. So there's there's lots of stuff that 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 people are still uh, learning about. Um, but I think you'll see it in incremental steps. So um, a lot of AI can be used in in a very safe environment in in helping the 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 customer support channels, um, understanding um, content, um, but then the real opportunity is how do you join up all the silos of, of, of data that you have within your organization and how can you use AI to, to really um, invigorate those and, and, and make them very powerful engines of, of change within your organization as well. Um, but that's a, that's a big risk uh, and we need to understand the risk fully before we get involved in that. Yeah, um, you just answered my last question. I had a question, but you answered it in the last okay. Um Could I throw in a question there? Of course, yeah. Um, we talked uh, before and you, you talked about the idea of a sandbox for industry where data could be played with or shared, you know, redacted data. Is that something that InSec is hoping to develop or is that possible? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the notion of a sandbox is, is is something really, really relevant to to our industry. So, if you're building new products and and you look at it from a risk point of view, so there there's there's uh, technology risk, there's commercial risk, and it, in the insurance industry, there's regulatory risk. Um, so there are three hurdles that you need to overcome before you can bring a, a product to market. Um, uh, in most other industries, it's just the technology and the commercial risk that you have. Um, so the regulatory risk can actually become a, a, a hurdle, an expensive hurdle for, for a startup to, to overcome. And as I said, coming back to proportionality, um, the regulatory rules are the same, whether you're a, a big insurance company or your startup insure tech company. Um, so th that, 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 that's a tough place to innovate. So the notion of a sandbox is somewhere where um, you can experiment, um, 
validate that the technology works, that it actually delivers on it, um, the commercial value of it, that it actually delivers something of meaningful value to a, a customer, um, and then potentially a, a, a regulatory sandbox, which gives you um, probably a pared down environment, but the regulator is, is comfortable that the consumer is still protected, but it might be for your first 100 or 500 customers uh, where the risk is very manageable and um, before you actually launch the product on, on the mainstream. So sandboxes are very popular. Um, uh, there's uh, 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 fintech ones in, in the UK. The FCA runs a, a, a regulatory sandbox. Um, and in recent industry engagement in Ireland, there is definitely a push to develop a, a sandbox. I think a digital sandbox initially where we can we can test the, you know, in with real data, with live data, where we can test the technology and the commercial value of the of the product, and then a regulatory sandbox, which allows us to actually bring that to customers um, uh, and test the business model, but in a in a in a protected environment. So I would hope that we will see over the next while the likes of the central bank engaging around building a, a sandbox in in Ireland. It's it's a key piece of the jigsaw if we're to build our international reputation as a center of excellence around insurtech innovation, you need to be able to experiment. Um, so we need something like a sandbox to enable that. Where that sits in the industry, it probably would sit independently rather than with, with a particular insurance firm. Um, and it might be something that instech.ie could facilitate. Um, we've used the term um, insurance industry as a broad category, but I was thinking there's reinsurance and then at the customer facing side you have brokers and smaller players who work with bigger players do they all fit in 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 the same space yeah so to deliver an insurance product it's a big long value chain and um, so so you know you need reinsurers you need brokers you need the mgas um there's lots of stakeholders that that deliver on that so it is important that organizations like instec can facilitate all of them coming together um, uh, because innovation tends to happen in partnership with other stakeholders in that value chain. Um, so we, within Instec, we have big insurance companies, we have some big brokers, we have some of the big reinsurers. So we have them all around the table talking about it, but they all face the same challenges. How does Europe compare? Where is innovation in insurance being driven? Where do you see exemplars to benchmark the Irish scene? Yeah, like insurance grew out of London. Um, so, you know, that was the the, the the starting point. So you had the likes of Lloyd's of London um, and they are still really strong players in it. Um, uh, you tend to see the innovation happens in the bigger markets first because that's where the, the bigger opportunity is. So the likes of Lloyd's of London would have an InsureTech accelerator and they are regularly looking for um, in, InsureTechs to partner with to, to bring innovation to, to, to their network. Um, there isn't really a standout center of InsureTech excellence. Um, and I think that's, that's the, the goal uh, that we're going after is that we think we have a particular mix of players in Ireland. We have a particular connectivity, uh, particularly into, into Europe as, as, a, as a market. Um, and traditionally, we have a really strong reputation for tech EMEA HQ companies um, setting up in Ireland um, for very good reasons. Um, and we think now there's, there's a story to tell as to 
why an insure tech should do that. So particularly targeting US-based um, insure techs, probably at Series B and beyond, who are now looking to expand outside of the US, want to look at look to Europe. Historically, they probably would have looked at the UK as well. Um, but now, um, post-Brexit, there's a real opportunity for Ireland to, to say, well, no, it makes much more sense to locate here and then sell into the rest of the European market. And we also have a, a very strong trading relationship with the UK and the proximity to that as well. So you get the best of both worlds. I get a kind of remark at the end, maybe. Um, uh, is it Instech, InsureTech, Insure with an E-Tech? You see all per- permutations, really, don't you? Yeah, so we're called Instech because that, that was the only available domain. <laughs> um, but it is, it's a blend of insurance and technology. And that really sums up what, what we're about is in, in Ireland, you had two very siloed ecosystems. You had the insurance industry and you had the technology startup community. Um, and, you know, uh, you just need to bring those together. Uh, they're, they're, they're very different cultures. They're very different approaches. But actually by bringing them together, you really create um, a massive opportunity um, and a mutual respect for each other and what they bring to, to, to the table. Um, so that, that's what Instec is really about, is, is creating this big tent where we get all these different uh, stakeholders in together and talking to each other. Um, and then really positive, serendipitous uh, innovation will happen. We will wrap up there. Uh, thank you for sharing with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. The music used is Voltaic Fluctuations by Ben Prunty and used with his permission. 